Bear, 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 gently bear, bear, bear. Hello and welcome to Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast exploring everything beer in Central Oregon with your host, who's a Cicerone and the author of Oregon Breweries, Brian Yeager. Hello and thank you for joining us. This is Grand Craft Beer. I am your host, Brian Yeager, and tonight I am delighted to be joined by Tim Ensign, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Steeplejack Brewing from Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me, Brian. So I wanted to have you on the show because, you know, we talk about so many different facets of the beer world, but it's usually maybe about a particular brewery. Maybe it's about a particular style. Sometimes it's seasonal. I have certainly never discussed the the whole world of sales and marketing, which, you know, it's one thing you, you can't sell beer if you don't have beer. But you also can't sell it if absolutely no one knows it's just sitting there waiting for them to buy it. Got to tell the story. Absolutely. So you yeah. have been, I, I want to say, I mean, you're, you're, you're literally a fixture of the Oregon beer industry. You've been in the industry for what, over 25 years now? Uh, I started in Oregon in 2001. Okay. So coming so, up 22 years. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. so obviously a good, good chunk. A little chunk. Your, your near entire professional Almost half life. my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, how'd you get into it? And what in what what field did you first get into in the brewing industry? Yeah, so um, I started um, getting excited about beer when I was about seventeen, uh, and living in the Bay Area, in California, I worked at Trader Joe's, uh, just kind of like moving grocery around this grocery store, and they would let me kind of go in the back room and just kind of depalletize all the the cases of beer and stock the beer, and I'd always find it kind of interesting. Uh, and then I moved to Chico when I was 19, uh, and not going to say anything about underage drinking, but, uh, <laughs> kind of discovered, uh, a few more beers and it was a different era, a different era. Correct. Yeah. And, and really, uh, found craft beer at a pretty young age. By the time I was 21, um, I was already considering myself a beer snob and really would drink the best things that I could afford um, based on the situation I was in and being in Chico back then, especially you could go out and get Sierra Nevada for a dollar a pint, Butte a Creek dollar Brewery a for pint. a dollar a pint, uh, $3 64 ounce pitchers, uh, on special happy hours and stuff like that. So you could access really good craft beer in the late nineties, early two thousands for very inexpensive in a town like Chico. I remember buying, you know, sixers of Henry Weinhardt's. And thinking, ooh, six ninety nine, and yep. this is in the nineties. I remember thinking, this is the best beer you could get for that price. We used to get Henry <laughs> Weinhardt's ice for two ninety nine on special, and that was our that was my budget beer. Uh, when all the frat kids are drinking Natty Ice, Natty Light, uh, oh yeah, I, I was like, you know, when I was still on a budget at <laughs> twenty one, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely it was uh, Weinhardt's for for three bucks. Uh, Sierra Nevada generally you can get for six dollars a six pack. I could get Butte Creek for four ninety nine uh, a six pack. Back These are those, some good callbacks. Days. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> it brings me back. I mean, we could go out with twenty bucks in your pocket and stumble home. I mean that barely gets you. Uh, it gets you two pints. It certainly doesn't get you two three pints, unless maybe, you're out on like locals night. Yep, maybe one cocktail these days. Fifteen dollar cocktail is kind of the norm. No so, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so let's sort of take that that base and jump back into the modern era. Uh, 
what is your day to day as a director of sales and marketing? And you know, in other words, what what brings you from Steeplejack Brewing in Portland down here to Bend and to, throughout Central Oregon? So, I mean, we are a pretty young brewery. We're less than three years old. Um, because we've got three locations, I think there's this um, a vision that we're much bigger than we really are, but we're pretty small uh, in the grand scheme of like barrelage produced. Um, so I was hired on uh, as the marketing sales director about 10 months ago. Um, I wear many hats because I don't really have uh, very much support. So I am the boots on the ground sales rep, but I also have a... Um, higher visioning with the owners um, and other marketing, or I mean the other uh, leadership team of the brewery. Um, I always kind of like the term steering the ship. So kind of helping make those like large granular decisions of what the brewery is going to be doing next year and in five years and 10 years down the line. But in Ben today, I am just, uh, I'm here for a demo at Newport Avenue Market and I'm just out seeing accounts and just trying to um, let people in Central know who we are. Uh, I feel like out in this market, we're not as well known as we are in Portland. You know, we've got three locations around the Portland metro area, but you have nothing out here in Central Oregon. So we're really just out here telling the story. Well, I will say, especially for listeners here in Central Oregon, uh, obviously Grand Craft Beer is available everywhere the internet goes. But if people in Central Oregon are not yet familiar with Sepaljack, what I could tell you from my experience is the first original location opened up in an actual deconsecrated church on Broadway in uh, Northeast Portland. Correct. It is. It, it was from the second I walked in to the moment after I walked out and the times that I've been back since, a remarkable pub-going experience. First and foremost, you cannot help but notice it is insanely beautiful. It is literally a righteous experience because it is in an old church and has the beautiful stained glass. It has the brewing system up on the uh, the the pulpit, the pew. What do we uh, what do we call the the altar? You know that it rests on. But then beyond that, the beer is so unbelievably delicious. And maybe my favorite part, it's so varied. You have so many different styles. It's not to say right. that you don't brew great IPAs, mm-hmm. but you're not just saying we're an IPA factory. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that. The food is so good. I distinctly remember the first time I went, I am not a vegetarian, but you had a, a house-made veggie burger. It had, uh, you know, uh, buffalo, mozzarella, tomatoes, basil. It was a caprese veggie burger, and it was the best one I've ever had in my life. So beautiful spaces, amazing and interesting beer, good food. It really, if if you have not been, the next time you find yourself in Portland, and obviously everyone finds themselves in Portland, uh, you, you it, it has to be on your your must list. And that's not because Tim here, you know, uh, greased my uh, palms with a, a fiver or anything. <laughs> that's truly from my own experience. It is an incredible space. People, I'll sit there on my laptop and I, I honestly, probably about five customers per hour will take a picture of the stained glass. Uh, seating for over 200 people. Yeah, it's, a, it's just beautiful, beautiful uh, Unitarian church. It's been there for well over 100 years. So let's talk about what it's like selling these beers. And now again, it, to me, as someone who really loves a wide variety of beers, I want to drink the whole range, experience the whole gamut. Uh, you know, even some styles that you just do not see anymore. I think your your dark mild is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, I know <laughs> uh, that you make a beer called Amelie, it's a Polish Grzyski. Mm-hmm. Did I even pronounce the style? I, I think you did. Yeah, okay, Grzyski, good. Yeah, we're going to be pouring that this weekend 
at the Different Smokes Festival. At- but this is not live. So yeah. uh, by the time you're hearing this, folks, hopefully you were at Different Smokes it, where you got to experience. The beer, the beer will be gone by then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a smoked Polish wheat beer, Correct. essentially. It's a, yeah. what is it, like 3.6%? 3.8%. Three point eight. Yeah, it's a bright, sparkly, and smoky single decocted beer. Uh, with We have a custom oak smoked wheat malt that we get uh, made for that beer. Uh, complex notes of sweet smoke and water cracker, spritzy mineral body at a whopping 3.6% ABV. So every single thing that I love about that beer, it's got some smoke character. It's uh, a low, very, very sessionable beer, very right. low on the alcohol. Yep. You could quaff pint after pint after pint, but that's not necessarily where the industry is, at least as its major focal True. point. So. Does that make your job easier because you're offering something unique and different, or does it make it harder because it's not Amelie the hazy eye sure, juicy sure. IPA? I mean, yes. Um, I don't sell a ton of Amelie, um, and I don't sell in a ton of our alewife, the English mild that you mentioned earlier. Um, they're both highly regarded beers, but yeah, it's. Um, I think we're definitely seeing a resurgence of people wanting lower ABV beers, pilsners, lagers, um, but that's even pushing it to the other end of the extreme, under 4%. Uh, these are traditional English beers, English pub beers meant to like, as Brian said, to sit down at the pub and have seven or eight, um, you know, at 3% alcohol and, and keep your wits about you still, uh, not walk out of there stumbling. Uh, so yeah, we do have a big low ABV program uh, at Steeplejack, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, the easier sales are generally going to be, you know, your hoppy pilsners, your IPAs and stuff like that. Um, which I think we do a great job with, but that's not really our focus. So we are liking it. It's nice to see the trends um, where people are looking for, you know, not everyone's looking for a 9% hazy every any anymore. And we've actually uh, seen in the market that Imperial beers, big, big barrel aged beers, stuff like that have had a decline and are a tougher sell. And people are looking for these lower ABV options. Um, and we're just trying to push them further into that low ABV direction than maybe they want to be. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's, and it's, it's fun to have a lot of diversity in the beers for sure. So let's just, if you can, I would love a real life example, a real world example, right? You get down here, you're in bend. Uh, obviously you have a few accounts that already know and love Steeplejack, but what is it like for you when you walk into a new account and you're trying to get them to carry your, your liquids, whether they're, you know, kegs for draft, whether it's uh, packaged. Yeah. How do you introduce yourself and your company and your beers and I'll, get them to make that all important purchase? I'll decision? literally, I'll literally break it down. I mean, I uh, I hit up Redmond. I hit a few accounts at Redmond this afternoon. Some of them I've been in already, uh, and some feel of free them to give some love to I one who said not. yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of, so, you know, I roll into the account, I've got my little sales sheet with a bunch of our beers on it. We call it our hot sheet, which is beers that are currently available right now. I usually have some samples in hand. Um, I'm very personal. I, I like to talk to people. So I try to find out who the person is making the decisions about carrying beer. Um, I always like to tell our story. Hey, we're a family run operation, two families on Steeplejack. You know, we've got a woman led brew team. We've got this really great diversity of beer, like Brian was talking about. Because we're smaller, we don't have a grain silo. Um, so I could show you six beers, and there's probably five different yeasts and five different base malts, if you're looking at all those beers. What that really means is 
we have more diversity of flavors than most breweries. So just trying to bring a lot of fun things to the table. And, you know, I just need an account to give us a chance because we pretty much will have something for anybody if, as long as they want to give us a whirl. Um, now, you talk about that, and you also mentioned that you are a, a woman brewer-led team. That's Anna, right? Anna's our head brewer, yep. We've got three women brewers out of our five breweries on the team. Um, and we've been doing sponsorships. We've done it twice for Pink Boots, where we provide a scholarship uh, to a brewer. Um, some of those brewers we've hired. Um, our most recent one moved up to Tacoma. She's the assistant brewer at Headless Mummy now. Um, so, yeah, it's a great training ground uh, and way to support women in the industry. So, so one of the probably my very favorite beer Instagram account that I follow is the Beer Aficionado. Do you happen to follow Doug Velicky? Uh, I'm going to look right now. All right. He, he yeah. does, if, if you don't, you, you absolutely must. But one of the, and he's he works at Revolution Brewing in Chicago. So it's a lot of Chicago centric stuff. But most of what he posts about is very uh, inside baseball for the rest of the brewing industry. And he has these characters, these recurring characters. He is the voice of all of them. Just follow them. Nice. <laughs> so he has uh, this character who's basically your job. He is this mythical brewery's director of sales and marketing. And he famously is always telling the brewers what to make that's the hot stuff at that moment. Yeah. And he's always saying, oh, you're going to hit this with a triple dose of, you know, Sabro or Simcoe or Citra sure. or some, un you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, by virtue of being the size that Steeplejack is, is Anna and her team telling you what they're coming out with? Or do you ever find yourself in a position to say, it sure would be great to have a dot, dot, dot. And by that, I kind of assume that's a double dry hop juicy IPA. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, with, I mean, with Citra and Strata. But like, do you, is how much of it is her telling you? And th that brew team telling you what's coming out that you will be selling or you saying to them, I sure would love to have this to sell. Sure, sure. I honestly, right now, we're, um, we're more brewery-led. Uh, we definitely all sit down, you know, once a week. We've got a you know, brewer's meeting. Uh, we also have a manager's meeting that we all do once a week. And we, we hash out lots of ideas. Um, but, you know, Anna and the team, are the, they're the medal winners. They, we've done, they've done a, I think we've won, I think, 10 medals at four different competitions in the last 10 months since I've been on board. So I'm not really giving too much direction on what to brew. Um, I'm helping out more with like designing like ideas of names and stuff like that. And obviously giving feedback like, hey, this worked, this didn't work. Uh, people were confused by the name on this beer. They didn't really know what, what it was, you know, more things like that, more like feedback. Um, I feel like, you know, once I'm on board for a longer period of time, I'm, I might be making more of those, you know, suggestions. Um, and I've said from the beginning to the brewers, you know, you can brew whatever you want. If you brew more than 10 barrels of it, we need to have a game plan on how we're going to sell that beer. And that's the really the direction I've taken it. I don't want to get in the way of their creativity because they do a great job at that. Uh, and they're not really producing things. And I'm like, that's a red flag. I don't think we should do that. And if they're going to do something really crazy, we just do a 10 barrel batch and we do draft only and we can sell most of that through the pub. Uh, and so we I don't find really that hysterical when, again, as the two two that we had talked about were a Polish Grzyzki <laughs> and an English Dark Mild. Those uh, beers are both, you know, the Grzyzki, <laughs> good example. That's a draft-only beer. We don't, don't really sell that through distribution. Um, there's not much of a demand for it. Um, 
special I events here and there. <laughs> Brian demands <laughs> it. Um, you're a unique one, though, Brian, and we, that's what we love about you. Um, and the English Mild, we do package, but it's not a huge seller. Um, even though we've won three gold medals and a bronze medal for that beer in under three years, it's our most award-winning beer. You know, medals don't necessarily sell beer, uh, especially when it's an esoteric style like that. Um, but you, it's inarguable to call it an esoteric style, and and in some ways a a moribund style. It's there, most people would not see a future for sure. a beer like that. At the same sure. time, brewers really love it. You hear about milds in in beer geek circles, and I mean, think about this: we spent the last twenty years. Uh, having brewers talk about, ah, oh, craft lager, that's going to be the next big thing. And right. it took 15 years for it to come sure, true, sure. and it finally is. So maybe 2030, we'll in see. the 2030s, uh, the milds will be coming back bigger and, well, not bigger, smaller and better than yep. ever. I think people like low-alcohol, flavorful beer, you know? Um, and it's just, you know, it's just retraining people, too, you know? I mean, you have people that go up to the bar, and they just order the exact same thing every single time because that's what they know, and it's easy. Certainly. You know? Now- so. Also, as far as thinking about your job and your accounts, uh, how much, not how much, but like, how do you wrap your head around how crucial it is for you to get some face-to-face time with them versus emailing them? I mean, I, I know there are some small breweries, maybe some cult breweries, all like, oh, it's really simple. Send out an email. Here's what's available. Gone. But that's not- Instagram post. Yeah. And, and, it's, and that's all they got to do, right? That's yeah. not the case for 99.9% no, no. of I all mean, the brewers yeah, out there. Most of beer is not that hyped, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, FaceTime is is incredibly good. Um, it's really, you know, I mean, I, I managed Fort George for a decade, and it's always, like, about telling a story. And the more you can empower your customers, whether your customers are the buyers who are actually buying the beer or the customers, meaning- the people who are going into the bar and buying the beer or buying the six pack at the grocery store and taking it home with them, if you can win them, win those hearts and minds, you know, they become advocates for you. So it's really just kind of like hammering over and over and over again who we are, telling the story. You know, we make great beer over and over again, and it, and it does catch on. It, it it takes it takes a while, you know. Right, um, metals certainly are good. That's metals how don't maybe... don't hurt. When I say you know metals yeah. don't sell beer. Um, I, I don't mean that in a way that, you know, you get a medal, you're very proud and you tout it to everybody. Of course. Look I was, medal. <laughs> you know, th- there's this moment at, right at the end of the great American beer festival competition, where all the winners are announced. And yes, you see some exceptionally exuberant, excited faces and they have the hardware around their necks. Then you see a bunch of dejected brewers walking away empty handed. Right. And. I think, you know, the more years you're in it, you have to realize if you if your beer won, that is undoubtedly a testament to its greatness. But if your beer didn't, it potentially came in fourth, sure. right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that that beer is any less good. It nope. just means that those particular judges weren't feeling Correct. it in that moment. Yeah. And then you have beers. And I think I will, to because you brought up uh, Fort George, I don't know how many medals Vortex IPA wins but i remember when it came out it really struck a chord and it remains right yeah how it's been it's I'm been out sure for it's run hardly any metals forever uh, i don't mean that in a negative yeah, way of course. i mean there's so much vortex drank in oregon and in washington um and it's a testament to you know 
I, I always like the analogy when I worked at Fort George is, you know, Fort George sells about the same amount of beer as Breakside. Breakside's like the most award-winning brewery in Oregon, whereas Fort George is not winning that many awards. They're just making great beer and that people like to drink. It is true. Breakside um, so, you know, is a vacuum for beer awards. Yeah, they know how to win awards. They know how to literally go into a competition. And I'm surprised and to, to hear that they sell, maybe not down to the ounce, but that they're about the same size as OCC far as overall OCC hasn't published numbers for almost two I know, years. So I know, I hate it's, that. it's hard to see. <laughs> but, yeah, when I left Fort George, you know, three years ago, they were pretty neck and neck. You know, I'm not saying, you know, at least for Oregon sales and, you know. Just, right. Those numbers were only reflected yeah, for, sure. for Oregon you know, sales. And, 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 you know. Just just being on that, you know, if, if you're a brewery in Oregon and you're in the top 10, you're selling a lot of beer. I mean, there's three over 300 breweries in Oregon. So, you know, you're in the top 10. You're you're pushing a lot of beer. And, now, yeah. on this other note, Steeplejack opened, what, three, two, two and a half? Yeah, we just had our, like, second year anniversaries, like, you know, six months ago. So there you go. So two and a half. Old, yeah. I can't believe that, you know, yeah. I just remember it was a, a pandemic Opening, and I yeah, thought, ooh, yeah, that's yeah. brave. I'll open three locations during pandemic. <laughs> wait, all f- wait, so talk. let's take one quick step back from, from my question there. You have three locations. You have the original uh, church-based pub. You have a larger production facility, I want to say Hillsboro. Hillsboro, correct. Yep. And you have a third one on the coast, is no, it? We actually purchased the IBU location oh. uh, in Beaverton, also Highway, so in Hillsdale, uh, and it's our pizza pub. We, so it's just did I ever see Steeplejack and and somewhere on the coast? Did I ever see those? We've purchased a location in Manzanita, but it's yes. bare ground, and so it. it's going to be a new construction, and it's it's probably two years out. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, it's going to be a I think a three room hotel, oh. ice cream parlor, uh, and a very family friendly public house right on the main strip of Manzanita. I am probably going to put a note in my calendar yeah. because. I cannot wait for that. I know you guys are going to crush it when it comes to that. And so is that third one, the, the former IBU one, is that also a brewery? No. So, so we have, have a 10-barrel brew house at our northeast location at the church location. We've got a 30-barrel brew house in Hillsborough. So what I what I wanted to ask is, now that you are two and a half years old, which is obviously new, right? You oh, look yeah. at a two and a half year old we're, kid. We're a baby, yeah. And you're like, that's a baby. Mm-hmm. Is there something in the beer world where you're only – the hot new player for the first two and a half months that you're open? <laughs> like, does it get e- Does your job selling Steeplejack beer, is it getting easier because people have known and grown to associate it with good quality, good flavor, sure. good variety? Or does it get more difficult because, oh, well, three other breweries have opened up since you have? So when I came on board, we were already, like, not the brand new brewery anymore. Uh, you know, we won Best New Brewery in uh, at the or- Oregon Beer Awards or mm-hmm. after being open for, like, eight months. That was, you know, a year and a half before I came on board. Um, and I can tell you in the 10 months that I've been on board, it's gotten easier uh, because I feel like more places that I go into know who we are. More people will have had our beer, and it just makes it a little easier to tell the story rather than just going in and being like, Never heard of you. Another brewery in oh, Portland? Okay. <laughs> like, you know, um, people not in Portland are not super keen on Portland these days. Um, I know. Uh, which, you know, I always kind of find kind of funny. I like the meme of the, like, the, it's, have you seen it? It's like Portland the news. It's like a rabid animal. And then Portland in real life is like a snuggly golden retriever. Of course. <laughs> of course. You know, it's rough around the edges, but, you know, most cities are, most big cities are. Um, and I've, don't really ever not feel safe in Portland. So it's uh, true. I remember when those initial more grislier memes and, you know, 
the word was getting out that, oh, Portland is unsafe. And look, any and every, every single urban yeah. core in the country has areas and, you know, anything bad can happen. It can happen in a, in a smaller town like Bend, of course, Absolutely. and it does. But yeah. uh, I remember a lot of friends because I lived in Portland for seven years and uh, just people posting pictures of, you know, roses blooming and right. babies on swings yeah. and dogs frolicking in the park. I'm oh, another grueling day <laughs> right. in the battlefield that the is Portland. Portland. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. So. But at the same time, you know, we can't really pretend everything is great. And I, I mean this in the beer world sense. Uh, it has gotten in the news that there have been some of the smaller breweries that are closing. Yeah. We're talking about session strength beer, that awesome bar, was it called Session yep, or Sessionable? sessionable. Yep, right. Yep. On a Division, I want to say, in Southeast Portland. But last Clinton. time I went in, they, I would say the majority of the beers were not Session beers. So You're right. They I, lost yeah, their own yeah, way. Identity, yeah. yeah it yeah. was a great concept, yeah. an all-session-strength beer bar with yeah. one or two handles for sure. yeah. you know a 7% or something like that. Yeah, it's been a tough year. I mean, we lost like seven breweries in the summertime mm-hmm. in June and July, you know. Um you know, fortunately, <laughs> we we own our buildings. Uh, That's you know, key. Which is, I think, I've been saying this for you know twenty years. Not many, only a couple breweries in Oregon have closed in the last twenty years that actually own their buildings. It's usually you have landlord issues and uh your rent goes up and you're barely making it and you just that's the nail in the coffin. And there's, um, you know, I, I always say it's rarely the case where a brewery closes because the beer isn't good. It's usually sure. something life happening mm-hmm. there's a death a divorce a sickness uh yep. money yeah. uh, you know of external money problems Some catastrophic event or something absolutely so so yeah i mean it, you know it's a struggle out there for sure i mean we just keep pushing um and knowing that we're making great beer and it's you know great people you know i i you know good people should be supported <laughs> yeah so i love this industry like there's 99 percent great people in craft beer and, is there uh, somewhere in Bend in particular that wasn't that you remember being and maybe it was even before your time because again as you mentioned you've been with the company for for 10 months now uh but i don't know if you've been packaging a whole lot longer than that so are there any local accounts that you think of as being early supporters and that continue to be a, a great place for people who are listening to be able to find Staplejack? Sure. I mean, we self-distributed until November of last year. And then when we signed with uh, Bigfoot and Miletus and our distribution partners. Um, so we've really only had distribution partners for 11 months, uh, 12, 11 months, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Bend, uh, you know, we've done a few events. I did an event at CrossCut Warming Hut already this year. Um, we did a collab we did with Sun River not that long ago. We did an event at the Yacht Club. Uh, I've done an event at On Tap. Uh, some of my – I love Ben. has got some of the coolest um, food cart pod, beer pods um, around. Uh, Portland's so not a, too shabby in that yeah, regard either. Portland's got a lot of fun <laughs> ones too for sure. Um, and, you know, Newport Avenue Market, you know, Robert over there has been a huge supporter for us, um, you know, since our beer has been available. Uh, so for, for retail, I think that's probably our number one spot to go. And yeah, I mean, I was, you know, just keep pushing, pushing, pushing for kegs at, at our, at our, at our favorite bars. You know, Ben's a really tough market. You guys are, um, insulated and have more craft breweries in this little community than most areas in the country. Um, and not a tremendous amount of places with a large tap list. 
um, if you compare it to, say, Portland and stuff like that. So um, it's always been challenging. I mean, I was selling beer in Bend through our, a distributor, um, you know, 15 years ago, and I, it was, I think, always one of the toughest markets to sell beer if you don't make your beer in Bend. Um, it is true, and yeah. this is something that you you really see this everywhere, but I think it's extra true for Bend. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of places, uh, you know, beer bars will say, you know, uh, naturally they'll have a, a focus and emphasis on mm-hmm. local. You know, I'm I'm doing air quotes here, local yep. breweries. Um, but in a in a real sense, I feel like that should. In, Include the whole state that you are in, and we are in the middle of this state of Oregon, and yet I definitely cannot argue yeah. that Bendites are Bend centric when it comes to yeah. and where the beers. Do you, where and, do you drive the line on local? You know, right? I mean, is local your city? Is local your state? Is local within two hundred miles, five hundred miles? I mean, uh, everyone has different opinions on where they draw the line on that. So you know, yeah. But uh, is Bend any? I don't know, better or worse in that regard than? Other non-Portland cities, let's just say Salem, Eugene, right? I mean, I, I'm guessing Eugene might be your second biggest market out of outside of Portland. Probably Eugene, maybe yeah, or for sure. Seattle. Yeah, uh, no, it's pro- Seattle. Yeah, yeah, definitely Seattle. Um, just I mean, that's just a numbers game. Sure. Um, you know, and I'd say a lot of the same things about Eugene. There isn't just there isn't that many. I mean, there's I'd say Ben and Eugene have you know ten to twenty like pretty geeky craft beer spots, you know, mm-hmm. whereas you look at Portland, there's probably a hundred. <laughs> right. hundred per neighborhood. People, of course, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, yeah, I, I think Ben is probably one of the tougher markets for the amount of beer that's consumed for a brewery outside of Ben to sell to. But I, is I it the most it, beautiful market to send? I love it out here. <laughs> there it's, we go. It's gorgeous <laughs> outside today. Yeah. Well, for a couple nice days, it's good. <laughs> as a way to wrap up, and again, really just thinking about your job and how critical it is. You're you're not the one making the beer, and you're not the one writing the checks. But without you and without your team, the awareness of this beer is not there. So, let's say someone right they're they're 21, early 20s. They they they've already become a craft beer geek. They want to break into the industry. What advice do you have? What how do you what are the first steps to working in sales and marketing and knowing what that will do, you know, how they would yeah. sell themselves to the person hiring them? Uh, I'd say become as active as you can in the community. You know, I used to homebrew a lot. The homebrew community is a great, great resource. Um, but you know, if you pay attention now, we've got this lovely thing called social media. It's pretty easy to follow what's going on. So let's say if you're a beer geek and you lived in Bend, you could probably follow, like I said, those 10 or those 20 like geeky craft beer places, follow them on social media. Oh, there's an event going on tonight. You want to go to those events, elbow rub, meet as many people as possible. Um, and then when you get that entry level position in the industry, you already have a lot of knowledge. You already have a lot of connections, um, and then you can usually use that to just kind of start taking the steps up the ladder um, and deciding what you want to do and who you want to work with, you know, so, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know, obviously, you're here on a work trip. Yep. But uh, <laughs> it is Ben, so you get to make some uh, some pleasurable stops. I, I know you were at Good Life earlier. Uh, hopefully, you get to hit a few more of your favorite spots. Absolutely. Actually, let me ask you this. As someone, you're in the industry, but you live in Portland. You do live in Portland, right? Uh, Oregon City. Okay, yeah, da- little Portland. south of there. Yeah. Which, talk about a booming 
uh, beer enclave. Yep. Well, it's been great these days, for sure. <laughs> but uh, what are some of your, your favorite beery spots uh, to hit when you're in, in Bend or Redmond or, you know, Central Oregon? Well, like I already said, I mean, um, you know, On Tap, Crosscut Warming Hut, Yacht Club are probably three of my favorite spots. I love Brother John's. Um, I mean, there's so much great food carts to go to, but for sit-down restaurant, Brother John's, Broken Top, so wonderful spots to go hang out at. Um, yeah, those are probably, like, my, my top picks right off the top of my head. Um, what's your go-to yeah. pick one of those places that has a staple Jack beer. What's your go-to pairing of a dish from one of those food trucks <laughs> and one of your beers? Oh, well, so I went to, when I was at did cross cut, uh, we had a, what beer was it? We had one of our IPAs on, no, it was a West coast Pilsner. It was our West coast Pilsner, which, uh, one of my favorite beers that we make 5.2%. It's uh, we use Motueka mosaics, it's mission grown Chinook. So it's very citrusy and tropical, but dry and crisp and not very bitter at all. And we had that with, uh, there is, and I don't remember, Ryan, the name, but there's a Detroit-style pizza oh, Abe, cart. Oh, Abe Capana. Cabana, Abe Capana. That's, that's probably it. it. That's probably it. That's but probably man, my absolute favorite had, pizza in it Bend. It was the best Detroit pizza I've had. And it was yeah. uh, it paired really well. And they have a very nice whiskey selection at Crosscut, too. So yeah. A little, <laughs> little notch of the brown. And that was delicious. But, yeah, no, that, uh, that pizza with that West Coast Pilsner. I'm trying to remember. I think we did a. Uh, it was like a white sauce pizza or olive oil base, pretty basic, multiple cheeses with just like some spicy, uh, like chili peppers on top, as I remember correctly. And it paired really nicely with the crisp, refreshing uh, West Coast Pilsner with that nice little spice and obviously richness of that you know thick, thick crust on the Detroit pizza. Yeah, you again. Portland has. It was only a few years ago. Some largely known uh, digital publication named Portland. Pizza Town USA, or Best Pizza in America. A lot of good pizza. <laughs> uh, and he would later uh, grow to resent himself for having done that. He, <laughs> but mainly because of the, the pressure, I think, that it put on on Portland pizza makers. But Detroit-style pizza is huge in Portland. Yep. To the best of my knowledge, we have Abe Capana's food truck at Crosscut Warming Hut. We have Rush's Squares at On Tap. I don't know of any other Detroit style yeah, pizza. I haven't either. had the ruse yet. I heard the ruse. Oh, yeah, the ruse. ruse is, that's is in Vancouver. Phenomenal. That's well, the Couve, right? The, the, the Portland location is doing. Oh, okay, too. good. They got a smaller oven, um, and obviously, you know, ruse makes some pretty phenomenal beers. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I keep hearing how good their Detroit and assemblies get supposed to get some really good Detroit pizza too. If anything, uh, that's yeah. maybe that's how we wrap this up. We talk about how if you live here in Bend, if you live here in Redmond, Central Oregon, um, do yourself a favor. Make a trip back to Portland, however long it's been. It's a great place. So much good beer, so much good food. And if you live here, don't forget, it's, it is it is vital. It is crucial to, to support your local brewery. But for your own sake, you got to see what else is being made out there. And that means look out to the greater Oregon beer market, even look out to the greater Pacific Northwest market. It's okay to sometimes even uh, buy some beer from beyond the PNW. Right. Correct. And vice versa. If you are in any of those places and you haven't been to Bend in a while, you owe it to yourself to come back here and see how good we have it and why everyone is boring in here. Right, right. Well, Tim, thank you again for your time, for great insight into exactly what sales and marketing uh, is like at a brewery. Anything else that you'd like to add to the good folks out there? I think that's good. Thanks for having me, Brian. Right Appreciate on. it. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Bear, bear, bear. Gently bear, bear, bear. A barrel of mocha, a bushel of pops, you stir it around with the